0: Here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Good morning, Artie and First. How are you guys today? So good to see all of you. Welcome to those of you watching online. So glad to be back with you. I uh, was out sick last week. And what's interesting is I had prepared to do this message on the waiting room. And little did I know God would have to take me through two different waiting rooms and prep for this message. First of all, I had to wait to do this message two weeks so, uh, you know, maybe a little longer than normal. Just kidding. It's going to be with short message. Second, I got sick. So as I was preparing this, I got called into this doctor's office. How many of you enjoy the waiting room in the doctor's office? Said nobody ever, right? Unless you're the doctor and you got clients coming in. So I went to the first waiting room and they're like, we'll call your name when you're ready. They called my name and I go into this other waiting room and it's like you're waiting on the doctor or the physician to come in. It's like a waiting room and then another waiting room. How many of you get a little anxious in the waiting room? And what's fascinating is I could hear the doctors and nurses talking about me. You know, The walls are so thin in the room. I don't know if the hospitals are like this, but I'm like, man, I can hear them talking about my name, my occupation. So I'm kind of leaning in to hear what they're going to say about me. So finally, I get to see the doctor. They do the COVID test. They do the strep test. All is negative. They don't really know what's wrong with me. I'm still trying to figure out what's wrong with me. You know, I've, all my life I've been trying to figure that out. So I go home, ibuprofen, chloroseptic for a sore throat, whatever. So I go to another doctor's office that specializes in sore throats. It's the ear, nose, and throat doctor just down the road here. So I go into this waiting room, go into another waiting room. They do a test. It's, it's really weird. They have this instrument that goes up your nose. It's very weird. So they examine everything, and they're like, well, we still don't know what's wrong with you. So if you can tell me what's wrong with me, please don't let me know. (laughs) So today's message is called The Waiting Room. And I really believe that you're either in a waiting room, you're coming out of a waiting room, or you're getting ready to go into another waiting room. And I'm not talking about the doctor's office. The waiting room is the distance between the promise and the fulfillment. Right now, some of you have had promises that you felt God has given you, but you're waiting. Some of you who are single, you're looking around, you're like, where's my spouse? I'm getting sick and tired of Mr. Right now. I'm still looking for Mr. Right. You know, I, I thought this lady was amazing. Her name was Lucy. She turned to be Lucifer. You're still waiting. <laughs> you know, some of you are married. and You're like, I'm waiting on kids. And some of you have had kids. You're waiting for your kids to grow up. And for those of you, your are kids are growing up. You're like, what's next? And you're always waiting So today's message is simply called The Waiting Room. We're going to be in Psalm 40. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We'll have the scripture on the screen. And again, welcome to everyone, including those watching online. So we're going to turn to Psalm 40. The psalmist starts off, I waited patiently for the Lord. Don't you wish that wasn't in the Bible? You know, some verses you read and you're like, I waited patiently. I can wait. But it's really hard to wait patiently, right? How many of you can agree with that? I can wait, but patient waiting, yeah, it's a little hard. Notice the result. And he inclined to me and he heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit. Now, let's talk about pits. How many of you have ever been in a good pit? I've never met a good pit if there is one, right? The only pits I know about are horrible pits. Some of us wish that the pit we were in could actually be the palace that we've dreamed of. But the psalmist says, I was in a pit. It was horrible. Not only was it horrible, he said, out of the miry clay. So it was a muddy pit. It was horrible. It was muddy. But notice, you brought me out of this. You set my feet upon a rock and you established my steps. God has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to her, God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that makes the Lord his trust. Who does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside the lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I were to speak and declare of them, they are more than can be numbered. And it would be nice if we could stop there, like the psalmist got delivered out of this pit. But when you read Psalm 40, read on, the psalmist finds himself in another pit. It seems like you're going from one reading, waiting room to the next waiting room. And you're like, God, I just got out of a trial. Now I'm going into another trial. Don't you wish life was much easier than the current circumstances you find yourself in? So notice how the psalmist closes. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation. Continue to say the Lord be magnified. But notice the, the next waiting room he's going into. I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinks of me. You are my help. You are my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. So it's like, you delivered me, and now I need you to deliver me again. You rescued me, and now I need rescuing again. How many of you find yourself in a waiting room today? How many of you find yourself in a place? You're, you're in this in-between vortex between the promise and the fulfillment. And you're waiting. And you're impatient. You're waiting. You're saying, God, I need you to rescue me from this hard place I'm in. If that's you, I've got a message that has the power to change your life. Because what if God can turn your weight into wonder? What if God can turn this setback, you're sitting still, you seem to be going nowhere, most of us want to go up and to the right, at least go somewhere, but right now you're sitting stuck in the waiting room in life. So what if I could give you a message that would change the way you thought about the wait? What if your wait could turn into wonder? What if your impatience could turn into anticipation? Well, this message has that potential. So let's pray, and I'm going to invite you guys into the waiting room. Let's pray. Father, as we talk about the waiting room, the distance between the promise and the fulfillment, Help us to know that we're waiting on something more than what we're currently experiencing. Help us to know that we're not just stuck here, but we're going somewhere. Help us to know that there's a purpose in the wait. So, Father, whether someone is a student here, they're trying to wait, get through school, whether they're a single, whether they're a young married couple, whether they're a senior adult, no matter what season they're in, they're in a waiting room and they're waiting for you to do something. So, Father, show up and show out as we find ourselves in the waiting room. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. So, for this waiting room, I'm going to need some patients that hate waiting rooms. If you hate a waiting room and don't mind sitting on stage, raise your hand. Andrew, come on up. Where's Mike Jameson? I always call him Mike. So, you can sit in this nice brown chair or, Mike, this nice brown chair. I get the little cushy chair, I'm sorry, it's just part, part of the waiting room. See, this is actually a nice waiting room. Some waiting rooms aren't as nice. It would be. We thought originally about putting metal chairs up there to make it uncomfortable, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. So Mike, welcome to the waiting room. Andrew, welcome to the waiting room. So what I want to do today is I want to give you five actions for the anxious waiter. If you're like me and you can't stand waiting rooms, if you're ready to get out of the waiting room... I'm going to give you five things you can do while you wait. Who's ready? Wait for it? All right, let's go. Alright, Action number one is this. In the waiting room, remember who you're waiting on. Remember who you're waiting on. So here's the thing about, I'm going to talk to the waiting room here. Here's the thing about it, Mike and Andrew. The psalmist says, waiting I waited. But notice who he waited on. I waited patiently for who? For the Lord. So here's the thing. Here's the thing about the waiting room. If you're waiting for anyone else, you can get discouraged. If I'm waiting on the next job opportunity to come my way and I'm stuck in a job, I can get discouraged. If you're waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright, you can get discouraged. But when you're waiting on the Lord, guess what? Every waiting room is actually the Lord's waiting room. And when you're waiting on God, you never get discouraged, whereas others can let us down. I read a story about this guy. He was not in a good waiting room. He was actually on his deathbed. As an elderly gentleman, he was in his final stages of a a terminating issue with his life, with his health. And he had finished planning the funeral with his wife and kids. And he was in his final days. And as he was sitting on his deathbed, an aroma just like flooded into his upstairs room. And he began to smell the favorite smell of his life, chocolate chip cookies. And this guy who was about to die all of a sudden comes to. He crawls himself out of the bed and he's like, he's thinking to himself, there's no way I'm going to get down the steps, but i got to find those cookies. So he grabs both bar rails, handrails, and creaks down the stairs. His wife is in another room not paying attention. And as he stumbles into the kitchen, almost falling, he's holding onto the walls, and he staggers into the kitchen. And before his eyes, if he didn't know any better, he thought he'd be in heaven, because right now he's in pain, but it feels like heaven, because across the kitchen counter are hundreds of chocolate chip cookies, his favorite. So he musters all the strength left in his dying body. He reaches over to grab a chocolate chip cookie, and all of a sudden... His hand gets smacked by a spatula. His wife says, don't grab those. Those are for the funeral. (laughs) So here's the thing. If you wait on others, you can be disappointed. But when you wait on the Lord, every waiting room becomes The Lord's waiting room. All right, someone say the waiting room. You guys ready for the doctor to call your name? Getting a little anxious up here. Andrew's a good waiter, okay? Number two, in the waiting room, keep on praying even through your doubts. Notice the next part of verse one. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. So here's the thing about it, is that when you're in the waiting room, it's natural to lack objectivity. When you're in the waiting room, it's natural to have doubts and fears. And David said, waiting, in the Hebrew, it's waiting, I waited. So in other words, I keep waiting and waiting. And all of a sudden, it's the picture of the creator of the universe stooping down and leaning into his children, leaning into his children to hear their prayers. And he said, God, you inclined to me. You heard my cry. And even though I have doubts and uncertainties, I'm going to keep praying. Even though I want to give up in the waiting room, even though I want to run out, even though I want to wig out, I'm going to wait on you. Because in time, you will stoop down and you will lean into the creation. You will lean into hear a child's prayer. It makes me think of Abraham. God gave him a promise of a son when he was 75. So you might know how old he was when he finally got his promised child 100 years old. 25 years in the waiting room. Alright, that's a long time. I think about David the shepherd boy. Most scholars think he was a teenager around 15. He got anointed by oil. See, a lot of you love the story of David and Goliath, but what sometimes we leave out, he was anointed before he fought the giant. Look, look it up. He was anointed first, fought the giant second. But he had to wait some 15 years before he finally became king of Israel. I think about Moses When he wanted to lead the children of Israel, does anybody know how old he was originally? Forty. Okay, I'm going to speak to some 40-year-olds, young in here. He was 40. He's like, now's my time. I see the suffering of my people. But all of a sudden, he got sent into the wilderness for how many years? Forty years in the waiting room. And he it wasn't until he was 80. You know, some of you at 80 would say, I'm past my prime, not for Moses. Some of you at 80 would say, "My, my time's up, not for Moses. Listen, it's not about longevity, it's about legacy. It doesn't matter if you're 80 or 100 in this place. As long as you're breathing, God still has purpose. He's not done with you yet. Someone over 80 said, amen. I heard that amen. So you think about the waiting room. And when it seems like God's not coming through, in God's timing, I want you to know, from our perspective, it seems like God's late. It seems like he's seldom early and he seems like he's late. But from his perspective, he's always on time. You got it. So in the waiting room, just remind yourself keep praying even though you have your doubts. And look on your listening guide. There's three benefits of waiting. First of all, there is renewal. See, when you're in the waiting room, like Andrew and Mike are in the waiting room, what God wants to do is he wants to renew you. Isaiah 40:31 talks about those who wait upon the Lord. It says they shall what? Renew their strength. So the reason why you guys are stuck in the waiting room is God is renewing you. He's doing something in you. The other benefit of waiting is restoration. How many of you have ever been hurt before? And you want to move forward with your life, but you're stuck in the past. Anybody ever been there? You're stuck. You want to run a marathon, but you're walking with a limp. You want to move forward in your life, but you feel like the past is crippling you, right? David said in another psalm, the Lord restores my soul. The other thing that God does is he retools you. Paul told Timothy, he says, the gift that you receive through the laying on of my hands, he said, stoke in the fire. In other words, God has gifted you, but right now you've got to stir up the gift. You've got to put into practice what God's done inside your life. So if you find yourself in the waiting room right now, realize the benefits. God is restoring you. God is renewing you. God is retooling you. I can remember the worst waiting room experience of my life was Lori and I had been married for a few years. We had started a church. And there was a transition point where it, it, it was a bad situation where we had to basically hand it off and walk away, not because of anything immoral we had done, but it was just, it was a toxic situation on the leadership side. And we said, we got to get out of here. So we found ourselves without a job, and Lori at the time had given up her her career as an accountant uh, for a CPA firm. So we had no income from any job. We had two kids, and we found ourselves in the waiting room. And that was the time, I didn't realize it at the time, but that was the time where God was restoring me, that's a time when God was renewing me, and that's a time God was retooling me. So if you find yourself in the waiting room, know that it's for a reason. All right, someone say, the waiting room. All right, Andrew, how are you hanging in there? Hanging in there man. What about you, Mike? He's bored to death. <laughs> All right, at least he's honest about it, okay? So number three, number three. In the waiting room, look forward to the adventure on the other side. Look at verse 2. He brought me up out of a what kind of pit? Horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. So here's the thing. How many of you like being in a muddy pit? Said nobody ever. Maybe a farm, barnyard animal, a pig likes it, right? But the rest of us don't. A pig doesn't mind getting dirty, But the rest of us don't. So let me ask you a question. What if the pit that you're in, what if the mud that you found yourself stuck in, what if the mud is actually the soil for the seed for the promise? What if God has given you a promise in a seed form, but right now you find yourself in a muddy pit? A seed cannot sprout apart from soil, right? So David said, I'm in a pit. What he did not realize at the time before God rescued him is that mud was the soil for the seed of the promise. Let every situation that happens to you, let every crisis that happens be an opportunity in disguise. Every mud that is slung at you is actually soil for the seed for the promise. What if today's dirt comes tomorrow's soil for the promise? What if the worst thing that ever happened to you becomes the greatest thing to ever happen to you from God's perspective. Next time you find yourself in a muddy pit, remember this, the mud is the soil for the seed of the promise. And without soil, the seed has no place to germinate and no place to grow. So now you're going to think differently about the mud that's flung at you. Amen. So notice he says, you brought me out. You brought me out. And when I I look at this passage, he brought me out of the miry clay, he set my feet upon a rock, he established my steps. What I want you to get is a few benefits on the other side of the waiting room. Right now you feel stuck, but on the other side of the waiting room I want you to know is deliverance. Notice he says he brought me out of a horrible pit. You're not going to stay stuck in a pit forever. A pit is temporary. Temporary. And you're like, Timothy, what about those lifelong situations that someone has a lifelong terminal illness? What about that? Listen, this life is just temporary compared to life beyond. So even if something is a lifelong pit, it's still a temporary pit, right? Paul said that the afflictions we face compared to eternity, they're just light and momentary afflictions compared to the glory that will be revealed. Not only is there deliverance, but there's stability, how I many of you like being stuck in the mud, like going nowhere? You're trotting, you're stuck. It feels like you're, you can't move, your feet weigh heavy. David said, you brought me from mud to rock. The difference between mud and rock is stability. I once was sinking in quicksand, but now I'm standing on the rock, right? And by the way, what is a metaphor for the rock in the Bible? Who does it often point us towards? Towards Jesus, right? He's the rock. So my life was caught in the circumstances of my situation, but now I'm on the rock. So there's stability, but also there's direction, there's destiny. Notice he says, You establish my steps. So when you guys look back on your wedding room experience, it may be like, how many of you like country music? Just to be honest, we're in the South. When you play the country music song over and over, you lose your dog, your dog dies. Your 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 significant other cheats on you with your best friend, and your truck breaks down. But what happens when you play it backwards? Get your dog back, get your spouse back, get your life back, right? So here's the thing. All of you have a soundtrack in your life. Some of you, no offense, country music's fine, no offense, but some of you, your, your life narrative is like a country music soundtrack. Tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, pit after pit after Pit. And what the psalmist wants to bring to you today is God can turn it around. God can change it. But you have to realize that you have to wait on Him. Wait on Him. All right, someone say in the waiting room. This is going to be the shortest sermon I've ever preached. And someone said, I've had two weeks to narrow it down, right? All right. In the waiting room, ask God to turn your old sadness into a new song. I can't sing. I can be a star in my own car. <laughs> that, that was for commercial relief. I know I can't sing, so. Making sure you're listening. Alright, he has put a new song. So here's the thing. How many of us prefer the old songs? Just in life in general. We love the old songs, right? Most of us would say yes. We like the old songs because they remind us of the past. When it comes to Christian old songs, that reminds us of what God has done and his deliverance of the past. But why is it God often says, sing to me a new song? It's because I've done great things in your past. I've done great things in your present. But I'm busting out something brand new. It's interesting about God. He's the God who never changes, but he constantly wants us to change. He's the God that doesn't change, but he's the God of the new. He's constantly doing something brand new. New in your life. So with every deliverance comes a new song. And it's okay, like me, if you can't sing. The Bible says, make a joyful. That's what I just did. i made a noise that inspires the 95% of you who are like me. You're not on stage singing. Just do it. Psalm 33.3. 3. Let's throw it on the screen. The Bible says, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a child of joy. There's nothing wrong with the old songs. I'm all for them. At the same time, God is the God of new. He's constantly doing something new. Isaiah 48 or 43 verses 18 and 19. He's speaking to the children of Israel who experienced the Red Sea deliverance, who experienced walking through the Jordan River. He says, do not remember the former things. And for Israelite, it's like, say what, God? I I love talking about the good old days when they went through the Red Sea. I love talking about when the Jordan River stopped and they walked through on dry land. And God's like, yeah, that's good, but don't remember it, don't consider it. In other words, don't live in the past. Here's why. Behold, I will do a new thing. So as glorious and great as your past experiences with God have been, God doesn't want you to live on yesterday's manna. The reason why some of you are in the waiting room right now is God says, just wait. I'm getting ready to do something brand new. One of my most uncomfortable waiting room experiences has been with five child deliveries. Now, I wasn't the one delivering, but I was there in the room, right? Lori's there. I still remember the first one. It's painful when you look at And guys, when you're in that waiting room, and now they have these leg stirrups, and it, it's it's like, what's going on? Like, they're strapping the legs down, they didn't do that originally, but now they're doing that in the hospitals. I many of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, they didn't do that. It's like they strap in the legs and the stirrups and it's like, what's going on with my wife? I mean, this is like, this is cruelty. I mean, and it's like, she's in pain, but I feel like I'm just in much pain. And it's like, come on, I'm feeling the tension here. And here's the thing with Kira. We had to wait 16 hours for her to be born. 16 hours. And I remember Lori was trying to get the contractions on and, you know, this has happened with a few of her kids and this is back when we were in CrossFit. She was doing like these squats, you know, trying to, anybody else done that? And it's supposed to, and it's like we're waiting, I'm walking the hallways with her, she's sweating, I'm sweating. But here's the thing, when you are waiting with a sense of anticipation, the waiting room is transformed into a delivery room. So here's the way you think differently about the waiting room. Right now, you're waiting, you're bored, you're anxious, you're like, God, what's going on? But when you're waiting on the Lord, when you know that He's getting ready to lean in and listen to your prayer, all of a sudden, the waiting room turns into Christmas Eve. The wait is really hard. But you hear the presents being brought under the tree. You hear the footsteps. You hear the glass of milk being poured. You smell the cookies being baked for Santa. Santa. And all of a sudden, you crawl out of bed as soon as it's legally possible. Whenever your parents use it, it's five o'clock, six o'clock, whenever. And all of a sudden, the waiting room turns into a delivery room, turns into a celebration room. The wait is worth it. The wait is worth it. So ask God to turn your old sadness into a new song. Number five, someone say the waiting room. See, I'm the type that paces the waiting room. These guys are relaxed. You know, when I when I was in the waiting room, this is the truth, is the last waiting room when when the doctor took forever, I started whistling. I was trying to get attention. You know, before I think I I, I think I've even shouted, "Hey," you know, just kind of like and I was talking to one person, "Tell me if you do this." But they opened the door so the doctor they walked by. You know how they always close the door out of sight out of mind? Here's a little secret. Get up and open the door. So when you're in the waiting room, you're like, hey, I'm still here. <laughs> just just thought. All right. Back to the scripture, Mike. In the waiting room, stay focused on the goodness of God. Because here's the thing. It's so easy to get sidetracked. I don't know about you. How many of you are germphobes in here? You go into a waiting room. This person over here is coughing and sneezing. This person over here has a runny nose. This person over here, their, their, their face is red. And you're like... What am I going to catch in this waiting room, right? But look what David says in his waiting room, verse four: Blessed is a man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside the lies. In other words, in my waiting room, in my pit, in my horrific experience i 'm going to keep my eyes focused on you because lord you 're it i 'm waiting on you i 'm not looking at the people that lie or people that turn aside. In the physical waiting room, I'm not listening to the people sneezing or coughing or in tragedy. I'm praying for them. But I'm keeping my eyes on you. Look at the next verse. He says, many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which we, you have done. So what is he doing? He's reminding himself of God's past blessings. God, man, you created the world. God, you're the star breather. You breathe and stars are flung into the sky. God, you spoke light into the darkness. God, you're so good. And he says, if I were to declare and to speak of them, this is talking about your thoughts, if I were to declare and speak of your thoughts, they cannot be recounted to us in order. They are more than can be numbered. So while you're in the waiting room, I want you guys to wait for it. Wait for it. Like, wait, wait for what? While you are in silence, God is thinking. While it's quiet, In the heavenly, God is thinking of you. David said, if I could try to count your thoughts, there wouldn't be a number high enough. Even infinity would be too small of a number to think about your thoughts. And in Psalm 139, a parallel passage, he says, if I were to count your thoughts about me. Imagine going to the beach. And some of you just got back from the beach. And some of you are at the beach right now. Greetings. Grabbing a huge handful of sand. And just in one handful, there's thousands of granules of sand hypothetically, if I could count every grain of sand on every beach of the world, your thoughts about me would be greater in number than the very grains of sand if I could hypothetically count them. So here's the thing. When you're in the waiting room, realize that God is thinking of you. Realize that God cares for you. So whenever you're stressed out, whenever you're wigged out, whenever you're ready to run out of the waiting room, just pause and realize there's a reason for the way. Now, here's a here's a principle. There are a few exception clauses to this principle, general principle. But when you're in a trial, the quicker you learn the lesson, the quicker you get out of the trial. Now, there are some exceptions. Like God will sometimes give a thorn in the flesh, a lifelong, but that's still temporary against eternity. But in this life, the quicker you learn what God's trying to teach you, the quicker you get out. So Moses was in the wilderness how long? 40 years. Jesus went into the wilderness for how long? 40 days. Would you rather be in a trial for 40 days or 40 years? What's the difference? Jesus got it quickly, right? So it brings me back to when I moved back from seminary. I had a, was a young adult college singles pastor in Texas. Any Texans out there? If there is, I would hear it. You've got to be louder than that, my Texas people. Texas people are prideful about their state. I love it. So I came back here, and the process of getting a job at a church is very long. Usually it takes about a year. You have to go through committees and search process. And So I was like, well, with a seminary education, what, what job can I get? I mean, it's like worth a cup of coffee, right? A secular person sees that. Oh, you got seminary and preaching experience. We want to hire you for our firm. So the only place I could get a job was is the holy place that sells chicken. Does anybody know where that's at? Chick-fil-A. Welcome to Chick-fil-A, where it's fresh every day, right? Chick-fil-A is a wonderful place, and I, I enjoyed working there. But here's the thing: I was hired to be a manager, but instead of managing, they had me sweeping the floors. They had me taking out the trash. They had me doing all the dirty jobs. That, no offense to the students, usually the teenagers do that. Now here I am, seminary degree, you know, all that, and I'm sweeping the parking lot, I'm sweeping the floors. And this principle came to my mind. The quicker you learn the lesson, the quicker you get out of the trial. What do you think God was trying to teach me in my 20s? Humility. Yeah, I was prideful whippersnapper. I mean, God didn't say this, but I almost think God's like, I'm going to show you something, my loving whippersnapper. You know, like he was trying to teach me something. So while I was sweeping trash off the parking lot floor, I had this eureka epiphany moment. That light bulb, that proverbial light bulb went off. Timothy, God's trying to humble you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's trying to humble me. And I'm sweeping. And get this, by God's grace, and it's surely by his grace, only his grace allows us to change. I learned the lesson, God. I'm going to learn humility. I'm going to kick pride to the curve. I'm going to walk towards humility. I'm going to put others first. It's not about me anymore. I'm not the star of the show. Jesus is. I'm getting myself out of the way. And sure enough, within a few months, I got promoted to something else. Not in the Chick-fil-A was a great place, but thank God. Thank God. So my, 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 my mindset right now is I still could be taken out of the trash. And I do it at home, by the way. So that's still my job. It's just changed to home. So here's the thing. Verses 16 and 17, there's some waiting room tips. And I'm not going to go into great detail because I'm giving you a short sermon for today so you can beat all the other churches to lunch. So here, here's the tip. Keep on seeking God while you're waiting. Verse 16, the psalmist says, let all those who seek you. So while you're waiting, keep on seeking who? Seek after God, Right. Focus on your relationship with Jesus even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Recognize your need for help. Notice the psalmist says, I am poor and needy. When you're in the waiting room, realize, but for the grace of God, there go I. Right? Keep on pressing into God until your waiting room turns into a celebration room. The prophet Isaiah says he gives power to the weak. Even youths, my students up here, they grow weary. Young men utterly fall. Fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. All of a sudden, those eagle wings are flying. You shall mount up. Right now, you feel stuck. But one day, you your stuckness will turn into soreness. That's not good grammar, but it's good theology. You're stuck right now. But all of a sudden, you're going to mount up and you're going to fly. So, Do you feel like flying right now? Do you feel like flying? Let's give them a hand. You guys can return your seats. Our waiting room champions. So in conclusion, let's throw the big idea up today. I said my goal in this message, if you don't get anything else, was the waiting room is the the difference between the promise and the fulfillment, whatever that is in your life. I want to turn the waiting room into a sense of anticipation. I want the wait to turn into wonder. Think about the Christmas Eve, kid. I can't wait for Christmas. Here's how you do it. One sentence. If you forget anything else, remember this. The waiting room turns into what? A delivery room. No stirrups in this room. As you wait on the Lord with anticipation and perseverance. So while you're waiting, don't wait in vain. Remember that you're waiting on the Lord. While you're waiting, wait with a sense of anticipation. God is preparing you for what He has prepared for you. So I don't know what waiting room you find yourself in. But remember this, friend. If you wait on Jesus... It's always worth the wait. All right, three application steps to take home, and then we're finished. I've got a song and some announcements we'll send you guys out. Remember who you're waiting on. Who is that? When you wait on the Lord, the waiting room is transformed into a delivery room. Number two, stay focused on who? While God is moving on your behalf. So don't get distracted about the person coughing and sneezing, the person with the fever, all the drama in the waiting room. Don't, don't get distracted Stay vertical. If you look around, you can get distressed. If you look within, you can get depressed. But when you look up, you're always encouraged. And finally, look up and remind yourself of God's, but I don't feel like it. I'm stuck in this waiting room. God, please, I'm waiting on Mr. Right, Mrs. Right. My health, my finances are not what it should be. Listen, no, no, no. God is still good even though your circumstances your circumstances will lie to you. But God is still good. Amen. Welcome to the waiting room. Let's pray. Father, the psalmist reminds us that waiting, I waited on the Lord. And I pray if we forget everything else, we will recognize that we're waiting on you. We're not waiting on things or opportunities. We're waiting on you. And as we wait on you... The things and opportunities flow out of that. So no one looking around, just everyone in the spirit of prayer, every eye closed and head bowed. I want to talk to believers first. How many of you would say that you're in a waiting room right now? Just raise your hand. See those hands. The truth is God has you in the wedding room for a reason. It's a delivery room. And I just want you to pray this prayer. Say, dear God, just inside your heart, dear God, thank you for helping me see the wedding room differently. Instead of waiting on a person or opportunity, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you. And I know the things that you put in my heart, the promises you put in my heart. You're the promise keeper. Forgive me for waiting impatiently. I will wait on you. Put your hands down. Everyone's still praying. There may be some here listening online that you would consider yourself spiritual or a seeker. And you've just been waiting for a sign. You've been waiting for something to fill that void in your life. If that's you, this is your sign. It's Jesus. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he died on the cross and he rose the third day. And the Bible says that he's waiting on you to make a decision. He's knocking at the door asking you to let him in. And if you've never let him in your heart, Never let him in your life. I want you to pray a prayer of faith. There's no magic in your words. It's the prayer of faith that saves you. I want you to say a prayer like this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe, I believe you, that you died and you rose again. I believe that you're God and I believe that you're good. Please come into my life. I invite you in. Jesus, please take away the stain of my sin. Take away all my sins. Please forgive me. And I choose to follow you From this day forward. Thank you so much God for hearing our prayers. We love you. And we give you thanks and praise. And all God's people said. Amen.